Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the Great War and have around 50 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 3rd of November 2022 and this is episode 276A. On today's Mentioned in Dispatches podcast, I talk to author, historian and educationalist Sir Anthony Selden about his new book, The Path of Peace, which is his memoir of walking the Western Front Way in 2021. This is published by Atlantic Books. Listeners to the podcast are able to get a £5 discount off the recommended retail price via waterstones.com until the end of November. You need to use the code PEACE22, that's PEACE, one word, and then the two numbers, 22. Anthony spoke to me from his home in London. Anthony, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War? I became interested, uh, I think, at a young age, um, at school. Uh, But then when I became a school teacher... uh, and saw the syllabus and started learning about it. There's nothing better than to learn about anything than to start teaching. Um, so uh, I started teaching it in my first year. I directed Journey's End, uh, the famous R.C. Sheriff, brilliant play. And and I took my cast across. I remember phoning the Imperial War Museum and said, look, I've never been. And, and uh, they always thought I was very green and they told me where to go uh including uh Beaumont Hamel and Sanctuary Wood and Tiepval and Lavoiselle and we went to all those and it was huge fun and, and that was the first I think of 70 trips that I've taken uh in in the 35 years since so uh yeah I'm in a pretty high level of interest probably so Maybe start with some background. Could you tell us what the Western Front is, where it is, and where the idea came from for its creation, and where does it run from and to, I should add? So it was the idea of a soldier uh, called Douglas Gillespie, and he was in the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, and he went across to fight. Um and he found himself in trenches very close to where his brother had been killed in the first winter of war in 1914. And in early 1915, he wrote to his parents with an idea and expanded it still further in a letter to his headmaster and said, look, um, uh, if, I, uh, if I survive, I would like to see created to, uh, as a reminder of, of where Ward leads to death including the death of his brother, I'd like to see created a tree-shaded um, pathway, a via sacra, he called it, uh, all the way from Switzerland uh, through the Vosges uh, to the English Channel, along which I'd like every man and woman in Western Europe to walk as a reminder uh, uh, that, that war leads to, to, to death and destruction. And so that letter was found by my co-author, on a book called Public Schools and the Great War, uh, David Walsh. Uh, he'd been pointed to it by the archivist at Winchester 
college where this young man went to school and uh, I I just knew at once when David showed it to me that this was an idea uh, that needed to, 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 to be realized. It didn't need to um, be lying there dormant um, as just a, a musty letter in an archive. It, it could inspire a whole vision. Uh, and that was the beginning. So the idea begins and ends with one soldier, Douglas Gillespie, who alone of the millions of soldiers, apparently alone of the millions of soldiers who fought in that war, had this vision of a walkway along the line of the no man's land. Um, and so uh, then uh, a group of people, uh, including Tom Heap, who uh, is just about the closest surviving relative, uh, male relative to Douglas Gillespie, Tom Heap, who is regularly on screen with BBC One's um, Country File programme. Uh, he became very interested with his family, his mother, uh, and uh, Rory Forsyth um, uh, became very interested. And he is now the chief executive along with Kim Hayes. So a group of people uh, built up uh, and they have made all the running. They're the heroes. Um, and um, because it is now absolutely happening, it's totally going to be happening as a walking and cycling route. It's already marked out in the most northerly areas. And it will become as big uh, in time as the Camino uh, through uh, southern France and, and, and northern Spain um, uh, as a pilgrim path. Um, it, it, it's a wonderful and remarkable path with a mission to help everyone walking it discover peace as he intended which brings me to my next question why did you want to walk the the way and why did you want to write a book about it so uh i hadn't originally thought about walking it myself i was out in 2016 brexit summer uh trying to get publicity for it and uh, some lovely high profile people like the actress Sherry Lungy and um, the actor Dominic West came out and walked sections of it with uh, Rory uh, and me and Tom Heap and, and the family. Um, and but then I it was would have been difficult. I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a long way to to do it. Um, my wife then died, and um, it, it, it I was very busy running a small university uh, and didn't, couldn't do it. But then that all came to an end in 2020. I'd always kind of wanted to do a very long walk. I'd had thoughts about Land Centre, John O'Groats. But then the idea suddenly came, well, if I did it, this might give it added publicity and opportunity for an added focus. Uh, but it was very difficult because it was, it was COVID um, and I had to decide would I walk from west to east or east to west? And I decided to do that because it was a sense that I'd be walking closer to home all the way. Um, and the, the, there were many false starts because of COVID and trying to get a window and I could get out. And eventually was able to leave uh, last August in 2021. I didn't think I thought at the time I'd write a book, but just keeping a log and keeping a diary it gradually became uh, clear that you know, there is a, a compelling story there, not just about walking a thousand miles, a thousand kilometers through 
soil, which is a million steps, by the way, slightly it's about 1.2 million steps through soil where 10 million uh, were wounded, uh, bled, uh, often to their deaths. It, 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 it's so poignant. And, and finding parts of the Western Front, which I knew nothing about history, I knew nothing about stories, I knew nothing about uh, the sheer effort of, of walking non-stop for 35 days to, to do it. Uh, and thinking about peace, thinking about peace in my own life and how we find it, because peace is not the absence of war. It has to be about more than that. I mean, the war finished on the 11th of November, 1918, as we all know. But peace didn't break out. The war didn't finish in the heads of all those soldiers who were tormented for the rest of their lives. It didn't finish for all those families who'd lost the breadwinner, uh, lost loved ones, the torment, the grief, the agony, the lack of income. It didn't finish for, for, for so many societies that had been destabilized and violence broke out. It didn't finish for those who were killed by the influenza plague, 50 million, compared to some 17 million who died directly and directly as, as part of the war, and including my own grandparents who were killed. So it, it is quite a, um, you know, there were many elements that just seemed to come together in, in the book called The Path to Peace, and the, it's dedicated to the Western Front Way team, and... Um, uh, the prophets are going to the Western Front way. Now, you describe a number of adventures on your walk. Could you tell us about some of them? Golly, if you have, have you looked at it, have you a book, and you want to pick out any, ask about anything, or I was in particular? In, I was just interested in your in, in being bitten by a dog, which struck me as being rather unpleasant. Well, I thought you know I've always had a good relationship with dogs, um, and I was walking just the other side of Verdun and there was the beautiful it, it, the countryside farms reminded me of being in Wiltshire or the Lake District or Yorkshire and I walked, walked past a beautiful stone farmhouse and a dog came out I thought it was smiling didn't notice it was foaming in the mouth um, then it occurred to me that it kind of wasn't doing what smiling dogs do, whatever that is. Uh, and I thought, okay, I think I'm going to get out of here. But as I turned, it locked its jaws into my uh, into my uh, leg quite sharply. And um, so I, I ran away. I mean, I didn't I, I walked away with dignity uh, as quickly as I could. And um, it, it was difficult uh, then to know what to do because there was blood. And, and I, I walked on, but uh, as I say in the book, um, a friend who's a nurse uh, said, you're really going to have to get this looked at. I mean, dog bites aren't, you know, you get all kinds of infections. So very reluctantly and helped by a fantastic Brit who lived in Verdun, who saw me uh, tweeting and had got in touch with me and said, can I help? And I said, well, you can actually help a lot. His French was much better than mine. He took me to the hospital, and they were concerned about rabies. Um, but if I would have had a rabies jab, it would have been pretty much the end of the trip because you need to go to places to have more jabs, and they're not available everywhere, and the timetable was tight. So I just had the usual um, uh, tetanus injections and others 
but but it was just a reminder of of um of how when you're walking uh out of uh civilization you, <laughs> animals don't always or insects always do what you want and there were whole numbers of encounters with uh spiders and uh and other insects uh all to the good and how did your view of the great war change as you walked the way yeah that's uh Another great question. Um, I think I realised more. I mean, inevitably, if you're a teacher or you're taking um, trips out to the trenches, um, you go to the most significant sites. And, and they're the sites at, at Ypres and Verdun and the Somme and Arras where there, and others where there are major fights happening. But when you're walking the thousand kilometers, it, it, it's you see far more of the just the ordinary day by day life. Um, so I was reflecting about that a lot when my feet were rubbing and blisters were forming. I was thinking about the the soldiers' uh, boots when my uh, irritation got toothache. I thought about the soldiers and their teeth when. Uh, I couldn't get water. I was thinking about because during COVID, a lot of places were closed um, up. Some forever, sadly. Uh, I thought about um, them and their impure water they often had to drink. Or when I couldn't sleep at night, despite being very tired physically, I often couldn't sleep. I thought of them and how they slept and the conditions they slept under. So it it. it it took me away from the major episodes, more into the everyday life. And also, I experienced much more of the French and the Belgian uh, story of the war and the um, uh, and was surprised and saddened that the French don't seem to have anything like the same uh, desire to keep uh, the history alive. I mean, extraordinary places like uh, La Lange, parts from Villacop in the uh, over in the Vosges uh, Mountains, um, which were the centres of fighting, are uh, hardly any visitors at all, despite a wonderful museum and preserved trenches. So, uh, but and the Americans also, the Americans lost in the fight in the war over one hundred and ten thousand soldiers, over half to the Spanish flu, but um, you know, they turned their back on the on the war. So I think it was. Um, I think it, it it just gave me a more rounded sense of the day to day life. And as part of the government's um, fourteen eighteen now culture committee for the centenary, we'd helped uh, bring into being Peter Jackson's film uh they shall grow not old which was had color added to the old film of the song and that you know that gave one a you know i was i was thinking so much about those soldiers brought brilliant brilliantly back to life and uh, and their lives and experiences so yes i mean it's a uh it, it that roundedness i think you know less about machine guns and howitzers um and more about uh, the lived experience of life and death and, and what happened to the bodies.
Uh, I talk about the, the, the decomposition phases of bodies at one stage, and and why they're more about why there's so many unmarked graves. And did you learn anything about yourself during the experience? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that life is a journey, um, and so if one's physically on a journey, on a pilgrimage, it's it, it's helping one to realise. Um, that uh, the, the nature of the journey, and um, so um, and all the time I was thinking and reflecting on, you know, you know what what are we here for? We have this opportunity in life. Uh, how can we use the fact that we are at peace? Uh, I mean, war might be coming, third world war maybe, and reflecting about that because my grandparents killed in the war came from. Uh, just by Kiev, and they uh, then left to to get away from the persecution. And um, so I was thinking a lot about uh, you know, what life is for and how one can uh, make the most of it, not see it go by in a series of regrets uh, and hostilities. How can we make peace with other people? and make peace with ourselves and how can we find in our lives what what we're here really here for um uh what what, what what how we can make the most of our lives by the way horses are just going past and walking through a village in the cotswolds and i i, I learned a lot more about horses and uh uh michael Moore pergo very kindly would worked together on an education project, uh, was in touch um, during it and was very encouraging as he was about the book. Um, and you thought about the, the, the intense suffering of so many horses, but also animals and livestock uh, and, the, and the physical uh, suffering they had from hunger uh, and, and the noise, the terrible noise of the guns so yes a rounded experience it, it was a chance to think and i you know in all our lives and why i'd love people listening to this to themselves uh, perhaps uh walk uh come out for a weekend or uh walk it it probably takes five or six weeks to walk uh, probably two weeks to cycle uh but but one could one could break that up and do it over five or six years uh, of, of walking, just going out a week at a time, uh, or a couple of weeks uh, cycling, to, to do it, but not just to do it to say you've done it, to do it to try and think through what this remarkable man, Douglas Gillespie, meant when he talked about we can reflect on what war but peace means and how we can lead lives which are truly as, as good as it can be. Because you know, in the old phrase, we all know that the two certainties of life are, are taxes and death. Um, and, and having seen my wife slowly die over five years of cancer, uh, that significantly brought home to me the whole uh, reality of death without wanting to be in any sense morbid. But equally, just to be responsible about it, and to 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 to, to be fully awake to the fact that that that, that we don't 
get another chance with life and to make the most of it, we should look for opportunities consciously to put ourselves in positions that, that, that encourage us to think the deep questions of life. And my final question is, where can people get the book from? Oh, my goodness. Um, on the website, by the way, we, uh, everyone can find out a lot of things. How to do that, and there's a splendid new part about uh, the Western Front Way. Uh, the book is published by Atlantic at the beginning of November 2022 and is um, uh, it's about 350 pages. I think it's 20 pounds. Uh, always good to get it from a local bookshop rather than from uh, Amazon or other direct means uh, supporting local bookshops uh, and I hope it will make one think I was very thinking a lot I carried with me uh, Patrick Lee Fermo's Time of Gifts I was thinking about him he was 18 when he was walking though he wrote the book much later uh, I was 68 and I, I constantly envied him he seemed to be endlessly staying in castles and and, and fine places um, although sometimes he was caught out in the cold. Um, and I was just <laughs> moving from, from B&Bs, Airbnbs, small hostels, if I could find them. It was, uh, it, it was a much grander life. So it's, uh, uh, and I was thinking also Salt Path and, uh, and the, the, the difficulties that Raina Wynne had. It, 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 it was just a privilege to, be, to feel one was part of that conti continuum of, of, of long walking and writing about it, uh, but also knowing that I'm just a, uh, a foot soldier in the uh, in realizing, um, I think the finest vision to have come out of the First World War, which was Douglas Gillespie's vision for this path uh, of peace. And on that note, Anthony, thank you very much for your time. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time. <laughs>